0: What up, team? Welcome back. So glad you made it. Before we jump into today's episode, let's catch up and touch base on the epic Black Friday sale that we're having for the Genius Life merch. From this Friday, November 27th to November 30th, we're offering a free sleep mask with all purchases that are greater than 35 bucks. I love Thanksgiving. You're hopefully able to unwind and take some time for yourself, your friends, and your family. And as you know, in order to be your best self, good quality sleep is key. And that's why I had to include a sleep mask in our Black Friday sale. Everyone deserves to sleep well and have maximum gains. You can check out all the Genius Life merch at thegeniuslife.com. Pro tip, order either of the t-shirts and you're already at 35 bucks, which qualifies you for that free sleep mask. Extreme gain status activated. And now welcome to episode 139 of The Genius Life. That's
1: it.
0: We're back. Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods and The Genius Life. The timing of today's guest is perfect. Right before the holiday season is an ideal time to check in and make sure that we're being present and mindful. And today, lucky for us, we've got the best of the best to remind us the importance of mindfulness. Pedram Shoji, a.k.a. The Urban Monk. Pedram is a close friend of the Genius Life family for his unique ability to leave the fluff behind and teach you how to bring up your energy, take back your time, and step into your passion. We're all about actionable takeaways over here at The Genius Life, and so is Pedram, a match made in mindfulness. As a former Taoist monk and physician of Chinese medicine, Pedram is able to bring the esoteric approach to Western wellness. He's a New York Times bestselling author, and his books include The Urban Monk, Inner Alchemy, and his latest, Focus, Bringing Time and energy, and money into flow. He's also a filmmaker and the host of the Urban Monk podcast. In this episode, Pedram shares why attention is the currency of the information age and how being in charge of where that attention is focused keeps the value of that currency in your hands rather than someone else's. We chat through how meditation is like flossing, a simple daily act that rewards us with numerous benefits, yet many of us neglect at our own peril. We also cover why assembling the building blocks that reinforce the focus and vitality necessary to thrive in the modern world aren't as complicated as the busy western world makes it out to be. Pedram shares actionable ways for us to be present and mindful of our own existence to avoid becoming what Buddhists would call a hungry ghost a reactive, never satisfied facsimile of ourselves constantly in search of external attention and validation Pedram is real and authentic which is what we strive for over here at The Genius Life This episode helps to bridge the gap between your spiritual life and your normal one something that might seem daunting but with Pedram's approach it becomes achievable The your family is not what you'd call a we run a 5K on Thanksgiving kind of family. We are an active bunch, but we're not up and at them on Thanksgiving day ready to run the turkey trot. But if we were, you can bet your bottom we'd recover from our turkey day sweat session with Element. It's spelled L-M-N-T, but pronounced Element. Element is what some call the ultimate electrolyte recovery drink. Seriously, just ask around. Element contains the electrolytes you need in the perfect ratio. 1000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Essentially, Element is the best tasting and better for you sports drink. No sugar, gluten, artificial ingredients, no plastic bottles, just the stuff that you need for proper hydration. Proper hydration requires water and electrolytes, in case you didn't know. Often, electrolytes are forgotten. Head over to drinklmnt.com slash geniuslife to try it out for yourself. Element offers free shipping and no questions asked refunds, so anyone can try Element risk-free. However, I'm fairly certain that a refund won't be necessary. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash geniuslife genius life. Now you don't have to worry about getting sweaty because Element has your back with the hydration and electrolyte replacement drink you need. Thank the Lord. Now go get your sweat on. One of my favorite things to do is to cook for and with my family and friends. My ideal Saturday night would be having friends over to cook and share a big meal. You know the kind of meal where you have so much food on the table that you barely have room for your actual plate? A staple on the table covered with delicious food and surrounded by good company is without a doubt something from Belcampo. Whether it be the pork loin, their new carnitas, or beef liver, something from Belcampo is always on my table. Belcampo is on a mission to revolutionize the meat industry for the well-being of people, the planet, and animals by farming meat the right way with certain humane, regenerative, and climate-positive practices, which means that it's better for you, the planet, and the animals. Belcampo is without a doubt one of my favorite sources of meat and lucky for all of us they're now available online with, with nationwide shipping so that you don't have to deal with the chaos of the grocery store this holiday season. I actually just had a friend text me saying that they placed an order on belcampo.com for ribs which is basically my love language. Head over to belcampo.com max and use code max for 20% off site-wide excluding discounted or on-sale items. This code is valid through December 31st, 2020. That's belcampo.com slash max. Cheers to eating well with those you love. Alrighty, team, before we dive into my conversation with Pedro, I have to share this fantastic iTunes review from a Genius Life crew member, aka one of you magical listeners. Anthony Benjamin states, just listened to the Professor Tansy episode. Incredible. Really love the nitty gritty details that research leads explain. Thanks so much for your review, Anthony Benjamin. Research is powerful and I love it too, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing what I do. And I'm so glad that you loved my conversation with Dr. Tansy. Also, I feel like I know our Genius Life community pretty well, so that's why I just want to remind you that you can always find show notes and links on my website. Just head over to slash podcast. We have a ton of great resources on the website for each episode, always trying to provide the community with ways to learn and explore more. If you don't find the answer that you're looking for, all you got to do is text me. You can join the text community by texting the word genius to 310 299. Nine I've had so much fun with this text community, so shoot me a text and we can chat. I try to get to a few questions each day, so send all your thoughts and feelings my way. Let's connect. And with all that said, let's now move on to episode 139 with the wonderful Pedram Shoji. Pedram Shoji, welcome to The Genius Life. Brother, how you doing? Great to Great to be here. Great to see you. It's been a while. I know it's been way too long. We go way back. We've hung out at a number of different health conferences, and um, I was a big supporter of your book, Urban Monk, when it came out. And so I'm super excited to uh, when I when I found out that you, you know, you've been sort of hanging out below the radar for the past couple of months, working on this new book called Focus, bringing time, energy, and money into flow. I just love the way, the way that that sounds. Um. <laughs> so so,
1: congrats. Thank you, man. Thank you. You know, it's you know you know what it's like writing books. It's it better be worth doing. And for me, I saw a big problem out there um that needed to be solved. And so I got back to writing. Yeah, I love it. It's big. It's Uh, big, man. There's there, there's so much that's being splintered. And our attention is the currency of the information age. And I mean, look, if 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 you're not in charge of where your your brain is and where your focus is, it's it's being mined somewhere else. Well, couldn't agree more.
0: I've had the privilege of knowing you for the better half of a decade, but, uh, you know, I'm sure many of my listeners are hearing about you for the first time. So before we get into the topic of focus, give us a little bit of a taste of your background. Um, how did you, yeah. How did you get started in the, in the wellness industry? I know you, you know, you've, um, you've done sort of a lot with traditional medicine, Chinese medicine, things like that, but, uh, yeah, walk us through it. Yep.
1: Uh, Taoist priest, uh, studied under a Kung Fu master, Qigong guys, um, became a doctor of oriental medicine Then was early in the integrative medicine game, had a uh, integrative medicine clinics in LA and then realized I was on the wrong side of the fence. I was in the mash unit patching up bodies and we were losing the lifestyle war. Right. And so got into media, started doing instructional DVDs, made my first film in 2010. Uh, then just Man, fell in love with making movies and just kept writing books and making movies, started well.org. The Urban Monk took off. um, And now I have my own streaming service called Whole TV um, and just making 10-part docu-series on things that matter. You were in uh, at least a couple of them. You were in Interconnected. Um, and, uh, you know, just going after the big things that actually solve the the problems in chronic disease and health. Um, you know, I come from a personal development background, but there's no point. You can't even, don't, don't even bother asking about the meaning of life if you don't have enough energy to get off the couch, right? <laughs> we got to fix that first.
0: Yes. I mean, how do we, how do we fix that? It's a multi-pronged that that's going to, that's going to, that's a multi-pronged problem. That's going to require a multi-pronged effort. So where do you even start? That's it.
1: Well my first film we talked about vitality being um the average of diet exercise sleep and mindset and how if you ran each of them like a different department in in your company they each had to be profitable and one shouldn't be draining off the others and and really just simplifying lifestyle into saying, look, it's about how we live. There's no magic pill. There's no device or some, you know, new stupid thing that you haven't heard of. That's going to save you from all of it. There's, you know, I think the health industry has been all about hail Mary's instead of just baiting and tackling and being like, all right, well, let's just start with vegetables and walking. Right. And, and how are you sleeping and what stimulants are you taking? And, and, and really just getting the fundamentals down. And then obviously, you know, Obviously, I hail from the functional medicine world. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, hidden infections, you know, toxic toxic load, all that. But really, getting into problem solving, figuring out what in your core lifestyle can be fixed, and then you get a it gives you a shot in the arm. You get enough energy to then keep moving forward. But without that momentum. Um, and just a little bit more vitality to, to be able to fuel your brain and fuel your life to to keep making better and better decisions. It ain't going to happen, right? You can't will your way into changing 40 years of bad lifestyle if you don't have energy to, to do anything about it. So, you know, to me, it's a two-pronged approach of building out someone's focus, getting their brain back to where it needs to be so they can make better decisions and then giving them more energy. It's like cash in the pocket. If you don't have any, you can't spend it. Yeah. Your first book, The Urban Monk was, uh, sort of a, a meditation
0: Bible for non-meditators. What, um, what, which I appreciate of course, because I have, you know, the discipline of an 11 year old. And so as much as I know the value of, um, of meditation, you know, it's not something that I, that I often do. So walk me through your thought process behind that book. Like why, why did you begin to, you know, that was your first book. Why did, was meditation the topic that you, that you decided to tackle?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's the central topic. We all know that, you know, the, the holy grail of medicine is suppressing uh, cytokine expression and chronic inflammation and F kappa B pathway. We know that meditation does that yet we're all like, okay, well, you know, what, what pill, like, is there like some broccoli sprout that'll do that too? Like, what do I take? Uh, and, and it's just one of those things that I had to reconcile having been a monk coming back and living in the world is being like, look, um, what can actually work in a busy urban life where, you know, we we got, you know, it's like, I got kids and career and people got traffic. And now, I mean, I don't know what, where anyone's going with COVID, but there's so many issues that like, swarm us and take all of our time. And so for you to feel guilty about not making it to a two hour yoga session, you know, 90 minutes there, you know, to and from showers, the whole thing. It's like, it's just an impractical way of booting up life, right. As a householder, you know, person who has stuff going on. And so how do I make meditation more practical for people who wake up and just got to get it? And you can't not, I mean, look, you're, you're a brain dude, right? Like it's it powers the part of your brain that negates impulses helps you with higher moral reasoning rational thinking um and and being focused all of these things lead to good decisions all these things lead to saying no to the cheesecake and yes to the walk uh, versus the Dr Pepper and so for me it's it's look, it's not about whether we should do meditation. It's about how the hell do we get the message across to say, this is like flossing. If you don't floss, you can have cavities. If you don't meditate, your brain's just not going, you you don't stand a chance in a world that's designed to extract value from your attention, getting sucked right through the device in your pocket into monetizing eyeballs in Google or Facebook, right? And so you got to take it back. And that's been my, that's been my plight since I've, since I've gone into media, you know? Yeah.
0: Can you just describe the extent of your monkhood? This is something I don't, I don't know (laughs) if, 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 uh, if even I fully grasp like the, you know, what, what that part of your life was like.
1: Yeah, it was uh, busy, ironically. Um, it was, so I became senior student of a Kung Fu master. My grandmaster was off property. He had left our monastery, the Yellow Dragon Monastery in uh, southern China, to visit some other temple uh, when he was a young man. And while he was gone, the communists showed up, burned down the temple, killed everyone he knew. And so they smuggled him out to Chinatown, San Francisco, where he started teaching Chinese only and then my teacher became the first non-Chinese to start you know, learning from this grand master who came from like a serious lineage in China. I stumble into this reality as a whole other story and become become senior student of this this individual who then started studying with the old man. And he was like, look, we're going to revive the lineage right here. The temple's burned down, but the temple's in your heart. And so I went to 30, 40, 50 hours a week of training for four years. And then I had to, I said, look, I can't drop out of college. My parents would kill me. And so they were like, that's fine. You stay in college. You do that too. And so I was taking 24 units at UCLA, working my tail off, getting straight A's and taking a quarter off every year and going on sabbatical and had letters of intro to different monasteries. I got to study with the Dalai Lama, the Karmapa Lama, uh, all over India, Nepal, Thailand. Uh, And then I do a lot of just sabbatical out in the wilderness alone like fasting for 5 days on water or you know celibate for 2 years and you know just being given practices to do in the woods and then come back and report um uh really you know Intense, very, very rigorous training from a martial arts lineage that then put me in a monastic lineage. Um, and the whole time I was like, look, I can't drop out of the world. I'm an immigrant. My parents sacrificed everything to, you know, give us a life out here. You know, I can't just drop out. And they're like, no, 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 you're going to be an urban monk. And then you're going to bring this message to the people. So cool. So here we are. <laughs> It kind of sounds like the plot to
0: Batman Begins. I'm surprised you didn't come out of this as like, as Batman, as a Batman, a vigilante type.
1: <laughs> I just don't have all the cool toys. Are you, do you practice martial arts? Are you a, a, a fighter? Yeah, Kung Fu. Sha- Yo, yeah. Shaolin, Daoist Kung Fu. I got to a point where I was going to all these tournaments and I'd be in, you know, my, my teacher would be like, oh, that's, you know, Imperato, the ma- you know, master of this lineage. And dude's like, basically crippled another guy in a wheelchair. I'm like, what happened to these guys? And I point over, I'm like, who's that guy? And they're like, Oh, he's a Tai Chi guy. How about her? Oh, she's a Qigong master. I'm like, why aren't we doing that? I don't want to be in a wheelchair by the time I'm 65. You guys like, maybe it's a better idea to not beat each other to death. And so I started moving more into the soft arts um, and got into Qigong, Tai Chi, Xing Yi, Bagua, all the internal arts for a long time. Um, still do them every day. Um, they are really the, the, the fuel. I mean, it's, if you don't have a practice that that builds energy and builds vitality in a world that's, you know, crumbling all around us, you're just going to feel like the world's crumbling all around you, right? You have to have a, a personal practice that calms your mind and boosts your energy. In my opinion, if not, you're just always going to be, you know, playing catch up and, and feeling tired. And then what led to your interest and in ultimately a doctorate in
0: oriental medicine?
1: Yeah. At first it was a concession. I was pre-med at UCLA and my folks are like, what the hell's wrong with you? You're going to go off and be a monk like Jedi. Like I don't, you know, like we didn't, we didn't sign up for this. And so as you know, as a concession to be like, listen, this isn't crazy. At first I just changed my major and studied history and, and figured it, And then I, then I found Chinese medicine I was like, wow, this is, I get to be a doctor, but the kind of doctor I want to be. And it's integrated with the entire lineage of everything I've learned. Um, and so I studied that and got my doctorate in Oriental medicine and, um, started practicing and then realized that it was a very limited industry. And so then I started, you know, hiring doctors and, you know, I, I was always kind of good at big picture things. So I, you know, built businesses and hired doctors and built out, you know, kind of concepts that, um, grew, but I realized, you know, later in the game that I was playing, playing the wrong game, right? Like we were taking insurance and I, I, I had to wait till wait, wait for someone to break, to fix them instead of doing what I was trained to do, which is keeping them from getting sick. Then the model does does not uh, incentivize that. The model waits until someone breaks, and then extracts every penny it can out of out of their insurance or out of their you know their bank account. And I was just like, wow, this is this is sick. This is perverse, and I need to be on the other side of this business model.
0: Hmm. Well, your new book is called Focus: Bringing Time, Energy, and Money into Flow. I love the subtitle because time, energy, and money. I mean, these are increasingly limited resources today. And uh one of the topics that you talk about in your book is how to start living your life rather than existing merely as a hungry ghost. That's a term that that, <laughs> that 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 definitely piqued my interest hungry ghost
1: what is what is that? I mean that was coined by the Buddha um for people who are stuck in desires, aversions, and cravings, um not realizing that they were whole and complete and and completely at peace in the infinite abundance of the universe by by silencing their minds and and letting go their reactivity. They're just walking around like hungry ghosts looking like, hey, Max, tell me how, how you like my hat. You know, mom, tell me, tell me, you know, I'm such a good boy and just trying to get energy and feedback from others on this kind of horizontal reality instead of understanding how to line up your spine and drink from infinity. And so that concept is, you know, uh, alive today more than anything. I mean, we trade time and energy for money all day, every day Yet we squander our money in a bunch of, on a bunch of crap we don't need, or we'll, you know, waste our energy on a bunch of stuff, um, and have to bank it back up with the precious heartbeats we have left. And we're just frivolous. We're frivolous with the water that that is supposed to water the plants in our garden, and so we water weeds and we misallocate, and then we wonder why our life doesn't look like the way we say it wants to look, and we don't attribute, we don't assign that water to the plants that we value, and we don't assign action and effort to the things we say. So we're just talking, talking empty words, right? And so reconciling all that is, is about bringing back our integrity with ourselves and really lining back up with where our personal power lies. And I think a lot of us have just, we're looking for things outside of ourselves to fix us. Hmm. And that to me is the ultimate delusion um, on the spiritual level is that anything outside of you is going to fix you. You have to, Turn your attention around and in, in my tradition, we call it retroflexion and bring your awareness back in to your own body. Give yourself agency and then start making one good decision at a time, heading you in the direction that you choose versus being told what to think, how to feel, how to vote, where to spend. You know, let's look at the world around you.
0: Yeah. Happiness has to come from within.
1: uh, Peace has to come from within. Abundance has to come from within. Love has to come from within. All of it. I mean, we're just, we have somehow become refractory hungry ghosts in a culture where we just are so lost that we're looking outside of ourselves for answers that we'll never find. And all you have to do is basically flip your orientation, look inward. And yeah, it takes a little bit of work. Oh my God. (laughs) Right? Like we live in a culture where, you know, we're selling sugar cereal to children. And so everyone's afraid of doing a little bit of work. Yet they'll listen to every podcast, read every book, go to every conference, take, you know, four inches worth of notes and notebooks they never get back to. And the information isn't helping them because they're not doing anything. You got to do stuff. You got to do things and move yourself in the right direction. And then you'll see the results.
0: I have a friend who brought up the term hungry ghost to me for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It was the first time I'd ever heard the term and uh he brought it up in the context of dating. He said that um when you when you're when you you know, are not a part of the dating scene for a long time, you begin to take on this appearance of of being sort of like a hungry ghost. And women perceive that and it makes you as a man very unattractive to the opposite sex which is a kind of interesting, I had no idea that that term originated from the Buddha, but uh, the sort of like neediness, you know, the sort of neediness and the, Mm -hmm. and the, um, you know, wearing that, that energy that, that you're looking for external validation, that you're looking for happiness from an external source. Uh, it's, it's like almost like a social repellent in a way. And it's, I'm sure it certainly doesn't help, uh, one's dating prospects. So it's just an interesting, yeah, it's just an interesting way to apply that, that same concept to, uh, to dating.
1: Yeah. And, and think about it. I mean, what, what's attractive is someone who is comfortable under their own skin is confident, is radiating and exuding happiness and, um, is happy with or without you. And you're like, damn, what's he got. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I want some of that. Right. Yeah. But if this, if he wants something from me now, I feel like, you know, this is a tick on my ass. Right. Like I gotta be, I gotta watch out. And so, you know, this is, it applies to every, every element, every aspect of life. Um, you see it in business, you see it in dating, uh, you see it in personal growth and development. Like, I can't tell you how, like how many times, like I stand up on stages and teach stuff, right. And people come up and want to make me their guru. And I'm like, dude, you don't need that. I don't need that. We don't want that. Like you have no idea, like how poisonous that is to basically subjugate yourself to another human and say, tell me what to do. Like, yeah, I'll take, you know, I'll take advice from people who are smart and, you know, know stuff more than me. But at the end of the day, I got to make decisions for myself. Right. Even my doctor, like they're on my team, but I don't just listen to everything they say. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Like we're in this together. Like, tell me what you think. And let's, you know, if, if I think it's reasonable, it makes sense. Then yeah, sure. So what are some daily rituals,
0: practices, tactics that people can use to find that happiness from within? Because I think it's one thing to say, you know, you're looking for happiness in the wrong place. But, uh, the reality is that, you know, we live in, in, in tricky times, difficult times. Um, so have you discovered, uh, in your research and writing this book, any, you know, yeah. Rituals, practices that can help people um, shed the hungry ghost and to discover the happiness that they harbor within.
1: Or yeah. To, the mean, poten- the, whole book the full.
0: potential for happiness that they harbor. Within. Sure.
1: Well, you know, the whole book full really. I mean, but you know, seeking happiness is also dangerous because what is happiness? What, you know, and so we have these ideas that have, attribution to them, right? Where it's like, Oh, happiness is, you know, you ask like a, an eight year old kid in New York or Los Angeles, what's happiness. And they're going to say a mansion and a Ferrari. If you ask them, you know, in, in Tennessee, they're going to say a Ford Raptor and a ranch, but it is also something that's been projected upon them. They've been told they've been, they've taken downloads on what happiness is, right? So you have to extrapolate and pull all of the cultural garbage Hmm. out of the definition of happiness and go back. I mean, let's just go back to our basic survival. You need food, water, shelter, love. Right. And so if your heart is beating and your body's warm and you know, you're not starving, then, you know, hey, hey, that's a great start. Right. And anyone who's done, you know, backcountry stuff and, you know, wilderness stuff can attest to that. And so If you boil it down to that fundamental and then just be like, okay, so what do I need? What do I want? Right? What, like, what is my body working right? And so health is something we take for granted. And so we just compromise it. It's, you know, you take it for granted and you drink a bunch of Dr. Peppers and then you don't have it. Right. And then someone yells at you because your blood sugar is too high. And then you kind of start to listen. But why? Because you're not anchored in happiness and contentment. You don't have a reason to live. You, I mean, what are you building in this life? Right. And so like if you think about a baby learning to crawl and then like stay like standing and like holding the edge of a coffee table and like moving something in, in three dimensional planet Earth from one place to another. It's like it's completely magical. Right. It's like, holy crap. This. This sentient being somehow arrived on planet earth and like moved matter around with its will by moving its limbs and making things happen. And then it grows up and builds a shed in the yard or builds a, a, you know, housing community or an Eiffel tower. And and we can actually create things on, on a planet and that takes energy and it takes focus and it takes these things. But if we're not happy and content and present and even aware of what we want, we don't do any of that crap, right? We're just, we're just sitting around being told what to think, feeling down because Trump said this or Pelosi said that or, you know, wherever the hell red team, blue team, you know, polarity is on, on us now, right? And, and our mood is all dependent on whether our team won or, or a politician won or what. It's crazy. So what is happiness? Happiness is being happy, devoid of all of that. Just being, you know, content and alive. And, you know, it sounds like an intellectual pursuit. I don't buy it. I've been at this for a very long time. You want to find happiness? Find yourself. You want to find yourself? Be able to silence your mind and track your breath down to a point three three fingers below your navel. And deeply breathe to that spot in and out and practice that daily until you get to the point where... All you can hear is the inner sound of your breath. And you could hear the brain chatter, but you don't react to it. And it, it might take three weeks. It might take three months, three years for somebody, depending on how far gone they are. But then they've stepped into their birthright. The true nature of our consciousness is eternally happy once it is separated from the aversions, and the cravings, the hungry ghost stuff, the Buddha talked about. And the more I've gone down the road, the more I've worked with patients, the more I've worked with students. It's man, the people who do the work get better. The people who are like, yeah, yeah, meditation, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. You know, I did yoga once, in, you know, in, in you know, on in Manhattan, and I thought I liked it, I guess, right? Or I wear Lululemon, so I, I do yoga, right, I, I, by default, but I don't actually practice it. That's all just identity crap. The people who actually sit down and do the work and have a practice, whatever it is, pray to God, you know, do shamanic stuff. I don't care what it is. I'm, I'm very non-denominational when it comes to that. Just do something that's good for you and do it daily and you anchor into your, the, the essential truth of who you are, then no one's going to tell you what happiness is. You're already there. So then you you walk with happiness. You move with happiness. Happiness is embodied inside of you and you don't doubt what happiness is because you feel it, right? But without the experience of it, you could talk all around the damn thing. You're never going to get it. This episode of The Genius Life is sponsored
0: by our friends at NED. NED is a wellness brand rooted in the belief that we can all feel better and live better through simple means and a deeper connection to the natural world. CBD has become extremely popular in the past year or so, making it more and more difficult to navigate and choose the right company and product. I don't know about you, but the CBD world can be tremendously overwhelming for me, and it's hard to know where to start. NED has eased that overwhelming feeling, both as a company and with their products. NED produces the highest quality, full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plans. My favorite part of Ned is that they share third-party lab reports, who farms their products and their extraction process. It's all right there on their site. Talk about building client trust. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, they have a special offer for the Genius Life family. Go to helloned.com/genius that's h e l l o n e d.com/genius or enter genius at checkout for 15% off of your first one-time order or 20% off of your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's helloned.com genius to get 15% off of your first one-time order or 20% off of your first subscription order plus free shipping. Ned is the bomb, so go and check them out. Well, well, well. Holiday season has arrived. What happened to the summer? I'm not sure, but now the fall and winter are here, we better embrace it. One of my favorite ways to embrace the cold is with a nice warm beverage from the team over at Four Sigmatic. Put on your new Genius Life socks, wrap yourself in a cozy blanket, and fill your mug with Four Sigmatic's Mushroom Cacao with Reishi Mix, and you're all set. For bonus points, toss in your favorite book, and there's an ideal afternoon. Reishi can help you settle down without the hangover from sugar or alcohol. It's known as the queen of mushrooms. You plus Reishi, the royal match made in fungi heaven. The team at Four Sigmatic harvests the best medicinal mushrooms around. Somehow they turn these mushrooms into beyond tasty drinks that have even more impressive health benefits. I keep my pantry stocked with Four Sigmatic and I can guarantee that it tastes delicious, not at all like mushrooms. And of course, they have a special offer for the Genius Life podcast family. If you'd like to check out anything that Four Sigmatic has to offer, just go to forsigmaticcom slash max or enter code MAX at checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash MAX. Receive 10% off of your order. That's right, 10% off. Who doesn't love a little holiday season savings? And now back to my chat with Pedram. What about our relationship with media, and specifically social media? I mean, I've noticed, you know, for somebody who's so immersed in technology and storytelling and media, you're not on social media, like, as much as I would expect you to be on social media. Is that by design?
1: I hate it. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's very extraction oriented. We do it because, you know, we have fans who, you know, want to follow and all this. But like, I'm not the kind of guy that like flips up my phone and is like, hey, look at me. I'm over here at the grocery store. I just can't do it because um, I don't want to step out of the moment to capture the moment, to share the moment, which is already past. And, you know, maybe I'm not a millennial and maybe it's just a different generational thing or whatever. But for me, I, I thrive in the living, breathing moment and I detest this energy that draws me out of reality to put me into the digital reality that then takes whatever this God-given experience is that I have and puts it into some algorithm-based computer AI manipulation to then draw people's attention into, you know, a monetization scheme. Like the whole damn thing is is just it's not great. And look, I'm using media, I'm doing films, I'm doing a bunch of stuff to help people liberate themselves, but it's it's always been a love hate in terms it's a knife that'll cut your hand in a heartbeat if you if you hold it wrong. And so I've been very careful with social media. I'm I, I've been very, you know, I don't I'm not a look at me kind of guy. Cause it's never been about me. And I'm not saying that people who are doing social media, you know, better or differently are, you know, I'm not, I'm not accusing them of anything because they just have a different relationship with it than I do personally. Um, it's hard for me to li- leave the moment to capture the moment. Um, it just, it just, to me, it just doesn't feel authentic. I mean, if it's, and, a mo- and, you it, know, if you, it's,
0: if it truly is a moment worth capturing, why would you want to leave it?
1: Well, that's it. And, and so, and, and, you know, you know, a lot of guys, we've been around the block. There's a lot of people that fabricate or manufacture moments, um, and stage moments for social media. And it's not really the moment they were having. Right. And so there's a lot of, there's a big gap in authenticity. In social media, and like, you know, what it takes to do all the social media crap. Um, I just don't have a stomach for it. I, I don't. Like, I'd rather just write another book or, you know, watch my children grow up. And, and yeah, I'm sure, like, does it impact us financially? I don't know. We're doing fine. Right.
0: I just don't care about it. Yeah. For me, it comes and goes in waves. I mean, there are, you know, days, weeks when I feel particularly inspired by, you know, the, the, the platform that is social media, but then, you know, some weeks into entire weeks where I'm like, you know, I just can't muster the, the inspiration, you know? And I'm right. sure that if I had, you know, it's like social media is for somebody in my position, you know, it's directly correlated. Like the amount of followers you have is directly correlated with like the size of the checks that you get with your sponsors, for example. Right. But to mm-hmm. me, it's just not worth You know, I don't I don't like I don't do a good job of feigning inspiration uh, when I'm not feeling it. So I would happily forego, you know, a bigger paycheck uh, for knowing that I'm, you know, being that I'm being true to my true to myself, that I'm being, you know, authentic, my most authentic self. Amen. Amen.
1: That's it. I mean, look, if not, then, you know, it's it's kind of whorish right? Yeah. And you know, I don't, it's kind of whorish, right? Like, and I don't want to dance to some sponsors tune. That's not what I got into this for. I could have just stayed a doctor. Um, I could have stayed a monk. I could have stayed a lot of things. I, you know, I definitely didn't, you know, I definitely didn't want to come out and be a whore. And so it's very difficult with the sponsorship model and all this kind of stuff to like, you know, not do the dance. If, if you're, you know, trying to play that game, I just, I don't have a stomach for it. Yeah. Speaking of money, uh you mentioned money in the subtitle of
0: your book. Money is a difficult subject these days, you know, a lot of people are still out of work because of the pandemic. Um what are some tips that you have to offer my audience in terms of how to, you know, how to uh w- whether it's save money, to make money, to pivot from their current jobs, maybe maybe they're working, you know, 9 to 5s, 9 to 5 jobs working to make somebody else rich to, you know, pursuing their own passion projects. Um, yeah. What advice do you have, uh, in that, in that realm?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we trade our time and energy for money all the time. It's just a currency, Mm -hmm. and you know, I came from like you know spiritual communities, right, where money is judged and money is evil and all that. And I had to kind of unlearn all that to be able to impact more people and drive, you know, we drive millions of dollars into creating films and whatever. It's it's all money, and so I had to change my relationship with money. And I know a lot of people have uh, a lot of hangups with money, right? Um, I would say that look, money is about generating value to society. And so if you're parked up in some job job, um, not feeling like you love what you're doing and not putting in your heart and soul into generating value for something you believe in, then it's time to change jobs. Or if you're, you know, sitting there trading time for money and you know doing your best and they're not valuing you it's time to change jobs um but I'll tell you if you're kind of stuck in that humdrum thing and you're getting your paycheck and you're hoping to hang on to your job and look the first ones to go are the ones that don't carry their own weight and the ones that always you know end up with their own divisions and departments and regions and companies and and you know backers are the ones that are just like got it I'm going to be awesome At this thing that I do, and I'm going to generate value for my company and for society and for people. And they're going to transfer energy in the form of time, energy, and money in some capacity to me and my company. And everyone at my company is going to be like, damn, you know, look at Mark. Mark's crushing it. Like, you know, give Mark a raise. Right. And so it's about understanding the value you bring. And making sure that that not only like lines up with the value that's associated with the value that's given to you by by your boss and, you know, the translationally. But, you know, just connecting those dots and not being dead weight. And I think a lot of people have kind of, you know, they go to their job, they do their thing. It's okay. It's mediocre. You know, the, the economy doesn't reward mediocrity. Right. And that's that's a very kind of crappy socialistic way of going about life. I think what made America great and um is, you know, you can't even say that anymore without having stigma on it. <laughs> um is is this is capitalism drives innovation and it drives people to become creative and to 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 bring out the best and work hard to make to drive more value. Right. I did a whole film on conscious capitalism. I definitely don't think that it should be completely extraction oriented. Right. And it shouldn't be about short term shareholder value, but it should be about bringing value to society and being rewarded for it. And I think that capitalism is in a big rethink right now. Um, But look, you're if you're on the side of the fence where you're kind of sitting around passing time and trading your time for money and not really generating as much value as you know you could, then you're at fault. And if you are and they're not rewarding you for it, then they're at fault. Go find a new job. But really, I mean, look, there's just learn how to be better, be better, put in more energy and make sure it's something that you believe in so that you can put in the energy that, you know, that deserves your heartbeats. Yeah. I'd say there. How do you
0: find energy and vitality when you're feeling diminished, depleted, which I'm sure many people are feeling these days?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean... The short answer would be take a nap, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> Stop, right? Stop and be like, okay, why do I feel so diminished and depleted? Am I scrolling through Instagram three hours a day? Am I watching the the news red team, blue team crap that's going on? Am I tumbling in the white water of societal drama? Okay, well, that's a good place to stop drinking from for a couple of days. Um, am I drinking four coffees to get through my day? Okay, so what's going on here? Let me fix my energy economics. Am I taking a bunch of sugar after I'm having the coffee because I'm having these blood sugar spikes? Okay, maybe I'll take some more vegetables. I mean, we have all these answers, but the the question isn't what, why do I feel this way? Oh my God, I no one can figure it out. The question is, what do I have to do to figure out why I feel this way? And then just start Being honest with yourself, radically honest and be like, yo, I don't sleep well. I've been fighting with my girlfriend. You know, I had a cheese burrito at like, you know, midnight um, and and I couldn't sleep because my stomach was turning and whatever, whatever. And then so you say, okay, well, what what do I need to do to make better decisions? Maybe I have healthier snacks around the house. Maybe I take a walk when I'm on phone calls. Maybe I, you know, get a different kind of shade for my room because there's lights coming in from the street. There are answers to all of this, but I think the problem is we all feel so damn overwhelmed that it's hard to even start. So don't stop, right? Just stop and just take a nap and relax for a day or two and just really kind of think through what's the lowest hanging fruit and what you can fix in your life. And then to me, you, that that's where you start eking out a little bit of energy. And that energy, don't go squandering it, right? Right. It's like a little kid with a $10 bill that go straight to the candy store, take that and then reinvest it into a little bit better lifestyle measures. Maybe you start, you, you join a gym, maybe you do a yoga class, maybe you go buy some organic vegetables and you keep the momentum going forward into more and more positive behavior. But, you know, it's really hard to feel like doing anything when you're on your back flat on your back. And most of us are flat on our back running our hamster wheels. So, so hard that we don't feel rested because our minds won't stop. So for me, I, I usually give my patients permission to just be like, Hey, you know what? Just take a mental health timeout. two days, do nothing. Do only what you feel like doing nap a lot, you know, sit in the bathtub, go to central park, walk <laughs> around, take a nap, right? It's getting too cold for that now, but you know, you know, just whatever it takes, what do you need? Start there, right? What do you do when you're sick? Crawl into bed, okay? So what do you need to restore your energy is just give your body a couple days and then maybe it starts with a 10-minute walk. Maybe it starts with, you know, let's have soup for dinner, right? We You know this stuff better than any. Like, you know, you start eating better, you start feeling better. Start moving your body. If you don't overdo it, you start feeling better. But the one part that I think most people don't get is the mental collapse and the stress that overwhelms them. And they don't give them, per, them themselves permission to rest or relax because the walls are caving in. And when that lion's chasing you, you can never relax. And again, exhibit A, look at meditation, right? Meditation has been proven to suppress NF-kappa B, um, cytokine expression. It will shift you back to parasympathetic dominance. It will put you back in rest and digest instead of fight or flight. It will power the part of your brain that helps you make better decisions unfortunately, and this is an inconvenient truth, it's not something that someone can do to you. You got to do it yourself. Right? And like I I have so many colleagues that are out there like, oh, I got this app. Just listen to my shit or I got this thing. You just rub it on your acupuncture point or you tap this or, you know, do that. And it's magic. There's just so much crap out there. Look, meditation has been around for 5,000 years. I'm not selling the Pedram meditation. (laughs) Right. And this isn't some commercial interest of mine to be like, oh, here's the meditation you have to buy. Just go freaking meditate. But you have to do it. You have to do it. And that's the part that I think people just need to connect the dots on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it
0: drives me crazy when you know, I make simple uh, and oftentimes free or very low cost health suggestions on social media. And I get, you know, fingers pointed at me because, you know, it's a, because, you know, people have weaponized the word privilege these days, but you don't, you don't, Mm. you you don't need privilege to spend five or 10 minutes every morning, you know, after you get out of bed, you know, in the quiet solitude of your mind, you know, meditating. Um, you don't, you know, it doesn't cost any more money to focus your breath you know, on uh, to, to, to focus breathing out of your nose as opposed to your mouth, which has, you know, does a number of important, you know, uh, physiological has a number of important physiological benefits. Um, getting more sunlight during the day, crucially important. You know, maybe you have that ten dollars that you've saved and you put it towards a, an eye mask that helps filter out more dark, more uh, more light. You know, when you're going to sleep, there's all these things that you could do no matter who or where you are um, that can have a measurable Um, impact on your quality of life.
1: Well, that's it. And you read about these guys that go to like Germany and do $150,000 worth of like, whatever, (laughs) right. And you're like, Oh, well that's healthcare. That's all just crap. That's all just kind of, you know, flash in the pan stuff that yeah, for one in a thousand patients, that stuff might work, but you know what works for pretty much everybody is vegetables right? And it's cheaper than the crap you've been feeding yourself. And so I just think that the, you know, the industry has become very extraction oriented and, you know, there's a lot of money involved and, you know, getting people who don't feel well to just keep coughing up money, um, to continue to not feel well. And I think that that nonsense has to stop. Like this is a humanitarian crisis at this point. And so the answers are there. Um, but people are being distracted by too much information to think that, you know, the simple stuff isn't enough because it's hmm. too simple because they think that the answer to the complexity of their problems needs to be <laughs> complex. But what if the answer to complexity was simplicity? There you go. And it, it usually is. That's the irony, right? right that's the cosmic joke really is we're running around like lunatics looking for like you know some magic formula or some tibetan incantation or some new functional medicine algorithm that's going to solve our individual problems and maybe the answer is just freaking take a nap will you Right. Like, come on. And, and, and I think that that's where the message has just gone so astray. And that's also why I hate social media is because that's the stuff that gets some of the most right. Like there's some, there's people I'm not going to name them that are just plagiarists that are just stealing quotes off of people and posting them better. You know, people have been published for years and they're just stealing their work and turning them into memes it's and getting upsetting. like millions of followers. Yeah.
0: Right. I know. I know. Who it's like, I know who you're talking about. We won't, we won't, we won't name them, but I feel like it, that's actually pretty pervasive in the personal development space. Um, no, it's gross. Yeah. It's,
1: well, it's parasitic. Yeah. yeah.
0: Totally. Um, you know, a lot of, pe- a lot of people today romanticize this notion of uh, being, being constantly busy, you know? Um and there is a correlation, I guess, between like, you know, working hard and and staying busy and and perhaps financial success. But you argue that it's actually an imperative to uh make time in your day for your passions,
1: for your hobbies. Why is that? I mean if you look at life as a garden and the, the things that you say are important to you are the plants in your garden. You have your health, you have your family, you have your passions, you have your career, obviously, the things that you want. Maybe you want a ranch in Montana. Maybe you want a penthouse in in Manhattan. I don't know. I don't care, right? The things that you want in life. And then you look at how much of your water, your time, money, and energy is going to each of these And you realize that, you know, and this is, this isn't too far from like our generations. Like you look at like our dads in our generation. It's like they worked their asses off. They got the pension watch. They, you know, whatever they gained 60 pounds. They were on, you know, beta blockers and Lipitor and they had estranged children and their wife, you know, left them. Great congratulations nice watch right <laughs> and so you you look at that you look at the balance of what happens in life and you're like well that didn't work right and so i think the next generation has seen that and they've kind of you know emphasized lifestyle a little more but you know inconveniently you know rent is always due so then there's there's just there's this balance of being like okay what do i need to do to water my career in a way where i'm not stressed about my damn bills every day right But I'm also getting to the gym and taking the walks and calling mom and all these things. And look, every single one of us has our own calculus there. Right? You might have a sick mom, you might be early in your career, you, you know, you you might have type one diabetes and you just have to, you know, inject more often or whatever. And so I'm sorry, that's just your current circumstance. Get honest with yourself. And if you were to live a balanced life, assess. How much water needs to go to each of these areas in your life? And then look at where your water is going and start pulling the weeds. Right. And become very meticulous about saying, look, man, Max was walking to the gym and he ran into Bob who said, Let's get a martini. And Max was not in his prefrontal cortex. And he said, I haven't seen Bob in a while. That sounds great. Martinis (laughs) turned into Taco Bell, turned into a late night, turned into an early morning uh, with a headache. And you know, here we go. Max is Max is now a different guy. (laughs) Right. And 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 it happens like that when you allow the weeds to get watered. And so one of the things that I think meditation also empowers. Hours. And it's just, you know, my message ends up becoming even like more radically simplistic is we're talking about empowering the part of the brain that's responsible for the negation of impulses. The word no. Max, in that moment, could have stopped and said, okay, Bob, if I say yes to you and drinks, I'm saying no to gym and sleep and, and career or whatever tomorrow. So I'm in the right part of my brain to stop and say, it's good to see you, Bob. Maybe I'll hang out with you next weekend, but I got to take care of Max's lifeguard in right now. And you walk off. But if you're not, and you end up tumbling down the white water of that other trajectory, takes you three, four, five days to come back. And then you make another bad decision. And then you tumble down this way for three, four, five days. And you fast forward that 40 years and that's everyone's life. Unfocused. Right? And and their attention is splintered off of their own life, their own priorities. Their, the things that they say that are, that are important, I never tell people what should be important to them in their lives. I just help them see clearly what it is that they said and then reconcile that with what it is that they're doing. <laughs> and and be, look, basically, like, look, are you being honest with yourself or not? You said you want to lose 40 pounds. What are you doing to lose 40 pounds? Because if you just keep saying, I want to lose 40 pounds, everyone around you is going to say like, bah that guy just talks.
0: Yeah. I find that the, that saying yes to things is a very useful tool when you're young and you're first starting out and you're trying to figure out what your passions are and you know, you're putting out your feelers to see what, you know, to see what direction to, to discover what direction life is ultimately going to pull you in. Right. But once you've well, dude, got,
1: you've got more water. You yeah. got more water when you're young. You have less, you don't have a family to feed. You have less commitments. You got more water. You got more options. And yeah, you see which plants you like. Absolutely. So a guy in his 20s versus a guy in his 60s are gonna have very different looking life gardens. Yeah, you're right. And then
0: something flips where you know you begin you be begin to add on the responsibility that inevitably comes with adulthood. And then suddenly no becomes, as you you know, as you so eloquently put it, becomes like the most powerful a weapon in your arsenal to prevent uh, burnout and spreading yourself too thin and allostatic overload and whatever you want to call it. That word no is so, so powerful. It's so important.
1: Um, We, you know, like in the esoteric traditions, we say, you know, mastery is in the negation mm. is about like, I can't say yes to Saturday morning cartoons and meditation at the same time right? Like that time sits on the same timeline. So I have to choose and I have to say no to Saturday morning cartoons. And like, you know, my kids have their own, you know, their own trajectories. I try to do things out in the woods with my kids. So we're playing and we're doing PE and we're silent and we're listening to the wind. And I could kind of double down on some of the meditation time by being out in nature, but I have to take that time for me. I'm running three companies right now. I have so much going on. There's no way I would maintain sanity if I said yes to more things that didn't water the plants I've already committed to. Right. And so, you know, again, without the meditation, I suck. Right. And I've been doing it my whole life. It doesn't mean I could stop. I could carry on. Like I could live off of like dividends for, you know, a couple of years maybe, but then my life will start, you know, coming apart. Do I want that? Do my kids deserve that? Does my wife deserve that? Does my audience deserve that? Of course not. Right? So why would why would I? Why would I go to drinks with Bob <laughs> when I'm trying to help millions of people, you know, heal themselves from diabetes or whatever I'm doing that month?
0: Yeah. When I'm stressed out, I have to work out. Uh, and I, I and I find that my levels of stress are correlated to how sedentary I I, I am. And uh, if I don't make time in the day to even if it's just a quick workout, even if it's just like a 10 or 15 minute workout, um, my performance across the board everywhere else suffers. Um, I'm more irritable, you know, when I'm around my my friends. Conversely, when I get even a 10 minute workout in it, just I know that it's flooding my brain with neurochemicals that promote, you know, a more balanced mood that reduces anxiety, that reduces, you know, feelings of depression, moodiness. Um, it's crucial. It's crucial. Exercise is like one of those magic bullets, you know, in a world where there are so few magic bullets, Mm -hmm. exercise for me, at least is, is one of them.
1: No, I mean, literally, I mean, if there were like three magic bullets, you know, now we're like in tabloid medicine here, it would be exercise, vegetables, and meditation, (laughs) (laughs) right? And, And really like those, those would anchor your life in real healthy, clean stuff. I mean, yeah, you get some protein however you need to, but just feed your microbiome, rest and floss your brain and move your body, I mean, that's, that's uh, the the core components. And then just figure out how to get good sleep. And you're like 80% of the way there. And yeah, you do that for a day or two and you're like, well, that shit didn't work. It's like, yo, that's every day for the rest of your life. And then you'll start to see every year you'll be better. Month after month, you'll be better. And that's also the problem. And it's also, you know, now, now that we're just beating up on social media, that's also the problem with social media is Okay, I've decided I'm taking the so-and-so Pepsi challenge. I'm going to go starve myself and, you know, go to boot camp and kick my own, you know, head in. Um, and then get to the place where I look this good and take a selfie because I've arrived. And then I just Stop. And and then then what? Right. There is no climax to this. It's an operating health is an operating system. Health is a lifestyle. It's not a destination. And I think a lot of what gets uh, contorted in our view of health and social media is we look at people who um, are at this pinnacle of health, um, and you know they, they're killing themselves together. We know these people, right? I know I know people that slather on testosterone cream or smoking cigarettes, you know, snorting nicotine, doing all kinds of crap to look healthy for their audience. And you know, you know, you've seen it. Hmm. A lot of it is just not true. And I have a lot of respect for the people who are actually who they say they are. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm clear that, you know, not, not everyone's a faker, but there's a lot of fakers out there.
0: Oh yeah. Especially in health and wellness. I mean, so many, even Oof. some, of, even some of the most well-respected people in health and wellness are not, you know, they, their bodies are not, uh, from just eating you know, from counting calories and tracking macros, they're using all kinds of, yeah, as you mentioned, injectables, creams, peptides, like
1: you name it. Yeah. But they attribute all their success to the protein shake that they have on their website. Right. And it, yeah. it's just not true. Yeah. It's not true. And that's also where it's just, it's very, it's there, there's a dark side to, you know, all of that, that, you know, needs to be exposed because it's like, come on, man, that's bullshit.
0: Yeah. So true. Well, dude, this was a, a really fun chat. Loved uh, catching up with you, getting to, getting to talk about your new book, Focus, which I'm super pumped for. Um, I've just got one last question for you. But uh, before we wrap that up, where can I know we've we spent the past hour uh, kind of shitting on social media, but where can listeners connect <laughs> with you if they want to find you on social media, which they should? Um, and where can they pick up your new book, Focus?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the, the website's the easiest place, the urban monk.com focuses everywhere books are sold. And then, you know, we have social media channels. It's like official urban monk. I got all these people trying to bite urban monk over the years and I don't really flex on social, but it is, you know, it is my brand. It is my trademark. So it's a official urban monk. And, um, you know, I have people doing stuff there. It used to be just me, selfies of like my kids and stuff. And I was like, wow, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Um, so now I have people putting like, you know, quote, up, Right. Um, and, and just, you know, it's inspirational stuff, but really just go to the urban monk.com. Really the best thing you can do is pick up the work, start doing the work. I'm super satisfied and gratified when people start doing the work because then I have one more ignited human on planet earth. Yeah. I love that.
0: Um, and you know, you can only really lead the horse to water. You can't make the horse drink. Right. So it's like, it's, you know, you're putting out the information, um, you know, via all different kinds of media. But ultimately, like, if you're listening to this and you're, you're stressed out, you know, life isn't going the way you want, um, you know, to realize ultimately how empowered you are, you know, there's always going to be something that you can do, you know, some area of your life, however small, um, or even large that, that you can, that you at least have some degree of agency over and can tweak, uh, for your benefit.
1: Amen. You know. That's it. I mean, that's really it. And once you tap into that, then you just keep going. But the, the day you tap into that is the day you've started living again. Um, if you're still waiting for someone to fix you, yeah. it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's really the core message is, yo, you need you back, right? Mm-hmm. We can give you all the tools. I can give you all, you point you in all the right directions, teach you a bunch of stuff from, you know, the Buddha and the Dalai Lama. Great. You still got to do it. Right. And, but once you start doing it. You know, welcome. You know, you've entered the building and we're happy to have you back.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen improvement in my life just from be, becoming more conscious of of nasal breathing and not mouth breathing, which is a topic right. that I've covered um, you know, in the on the podcast in the past. But yeah, just that, like a simple tweak, make sure that I'm getting more sunlight in, you know, into my eyes uh in the morning hours. Um and then meditation. Meditation is is huge. I promise Pedro, I'm gonna I'm to start doing it more frequently. You've, uh, you've convinced me,
1: you know, you know, the best way to do it Tell is me. 10 minutes a day for a hundred days. If you, if you miss it, start over hmm. so that you build a habit. I call it a gong. And you know, look, you got 10 minutes. Everyone's got 10 minutes. The president has 10 minutes, right? Like no one's that busy. So 10 minutes a day, just set it, put it in your calendar, 15 if you can, 30 if you're, if you're, you know, l- luxurious. But, you know, just do a minimum of 10 minutes every day for 100 days. After 100 days, you're 100% there. Now you have a new habit. Your brain is happy and it doesn't want to stop. But the problem is, you know, you do a little start-stop, you know, grandma comes to town, <laughs> uncle does this. You know, you just get distracted and it's over. Yeah. Right? And so 100 days of consistency will transform any life. We know this from neuroscience. We understand this. You just got to do it. I love that. Is there a best time of day to do it? Uh, for uh, Frankly, uh, I like I like thing in the morning because it helps set the tone for the day. Hmm. But look, beggars can't be choosers. Take what you can get. For me, I say if you get in your 10 minutes in any 24 hour period, check it off. Move yeah. on. Right. And I have grids that on the website that are like, you know, 100 days, just a grid. Every day is a, a one percentage point. So every day, you're 1% way you know closer to your goal basically that's
0: awesome i'm in sign me up i'm gonna print that shit out post it up on my fridge i'm gonna that's be hun- i'm gonna be it. I'll send error. it to you yeah sounds great yep. all right last question that gets asked everybody on the show before we wrap up what does it mean to you pedram shoji to live a genius life
1: hmm live in the moment I mean, listen, when you're in the flow, you are in your genius self. When you're worried about the past, you know, anxious about the future, you're not here. You're not a genius. You're not in the part of your brain that's a genius. There are there are very specific parts of your brain that allow for you to tap into genius. And the more you water those fields, the more you you live in parasympathetic nervous system, the more you have gamma wave coherence and have the ability to tap into the genius of the universe. And it's right there. I used to own brain labs. Like it's a whole other show, but yeah, it's right there. It's at the bottom of your next breath. I love that. Great advice.
0: Sage advice, uh, put as, uh, only a monk can. So, um, <laughs> thank you, man. I appreciate you. Uh, and all that you put out into the universe. This was a lot of fun to all you guys out there in podcast land. Highlight your favorite quote from Pedrum or I tag us both. We'd very much appreciate that. And uh, text me to let me know what you thought about this episode of the show. My number is 310-299-9401. I look forward to hearing from you and I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.